while in the New Testament there are only two letters technically that are postmarked to the Corinthians, it seems that there are more than that that are referred to uh, in the context of those two letters. Uh, And those scholars that have studied it in detail presume that there must have been at least four letters that were written to the early Christians in Corinth. And one of those was a particularly severe letter. It is referred to in the second chapter of 2 Corinthians. Let me read this a little portion to you from the first of the second chapter. For if I cause you pain, who, in, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I am confident about all of you that my joy would be the joy of all of you. For I wrote out of, my, of, out of much distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. The Apostle Paul did love this church. He was writing to them from Macedonia, and he was intending that not only they would receive this letter, but that it would be circulated to the other churches that were in the area. He expressed to them encouragement and compliments in this passage that was read this morning. But if you read on into the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th chapters of this book, you'll discover some of the anxiety that some other leaders that had come in after Paul gave to him that they were distracting and even becoming false teachers in the way in which they led the people when he was not there. It was out of much distress that he communicated, and yet he was able to have some sense of consolation in that he got a report that uh, his letter that was severe had done some good and that the people were very intent on doing what the Apostle Paul felt best. And so when he wrote this encouragement to them, it was a statement in order to not only Uh, encourage them more in their generosity but to respond to the generosity that was already a part of their lives you can pick up on that here it says you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity which will produce the thanksgiving to God through us you will be enriched in every way some have used this passage in order to say things that it was not intended to say. Have you ever heard of the prosperity gospel before? There's some uh, very famous preachers that have made it appear that if you give God a dollar, he'll give you back two dollars so that your your billfold would be uh, bulging when you uh, left uh, church. That somehow in the midst of your giving, you cannot outgive God. In fact, I would suspect that some have if not said that here in this congregation, they have thought it. And in fact, you might say, well, preacher, I've lived it because God has been so generous to sustain me even when I didn't expect it. Yes, and those are fascinating and miraculous situations when things come together that only God can make possible. But to lean on the providence of God's grace in that way is to make him into some kind of celestial bellhop. If we think that every time we give, he is going to reboot the ante for us 
and help to secure that we will be wealthier than the day before. Here in this passage, Paul is saying something quite different. He is saying, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity. The enrichment is the thanksgiving that becomes a part of your life and especially a part of his life, as he refers to it here, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. It is the nature of the church to give. In fact, I have known people that have made themselves poor or at least pretty close to it because of the nature of their generosity. The church should not sit idle. We should be busy with this work of generosity because it does make an enormous difference not only in the lives of those that come after us but also in our own lives for a church that is vibrant and alive. It can be quite a discouragement for pastors, I can speak from my perspective, but also from laity who are leaders within the church, for congregations to simply sit idle and not engage with ministry. This is not the history of Pittman Park Church. Some of you know this because you were around in its earliest days. To know that this congregation at its birth was not exactly where it needed to be with its giving. Even on the first day of dreaming into the vision of Pittman Park, when the amount of money was tallied, the pledges of those that would give to make this possible, it was seen that it was insufficient to employ a pastor to be over this church. And so it was back to the table again. I've heard this directly from Benny Herring. You ask her about it. <laughs> you had to go back to the table and get some more money. And, and the remarkable thing is that because of the generosity of this church, that it came to be. The fledgling congregation that it was had its starting days across the streets in what was the Georgia Teachers College at that time before it was able to move into this beautiful sanctuary and upon these grounds. But you know, don't you, that this place upon which we are gathered this day was itself a marked thing of generosity. This land upon which we are worshiping was given. Now, it was not dreamed in the heart of the ones that gave this, that they might have this as an option at some point in the future. But because of the need, they saw an opportunity to give and to make a difference. Now, one of my favorite stories about Pittman Park Church is the fact that when it came to the point of actually putting this sanctuary in place, it realized that it had stripped the gears of what was possible with its budget. And it was not able to go further than that. The construction was in progress. And the fellow that had been contracted to put this building in its place realized that there was a section that was going to be X'd off of the architect's drawings. And that was the chapel and what is now called the parlor over there. And the builder 
said to the congregation, I realize you're not going to be able to build this. I'll do it out of my own pocket. Can you believe that happening? An incredible story. An incredible story of generosity that someone looked beyond themselves in order to see the greater good that be, could be done here in this place. Can you imagine what Lawrence Helsman felt like at that point? <laughs> Our first pastor here at Bittman Park. Can you imagine how overjoyed he was to receive news that this kind of thing was happening? Can you imagine what the district superintendent, and I don't know who that was at the time, but can you imagine what he was thinking and how joyful he was? Can you imagine what the bishop was thinking at this time? I guess it was Bishop Smith at this time. Can you imagine how joyful he was at hearing reports of what was going on with Pittman Park Church in, in Statesboro and these exciting new beginnings? Let me ask you another question. Can you imagine, can you imagine how this was falling on Jesus' ears and how he was enjoying the idea of the investment of a congregation of people that were so alive with the possibility and the vision in this place. I know that there are many persons today who are beginning to feel like that it is wrong for us to give out as many awards to our children as we do. In every setting it seems like there is this obligation to make sure that every child gets a little trophy of some sort. I've heard you talk about this. Don't give the people that do it such a hard time. There is goodness behind it. Particularly in the case of one teacher that I heard and how she handled this in her classroom. Helise Bridges began to make a few years back blue ribbons that she would hand out in her classroom on the last day of class. And these blue ribbons were imprinted with the words, who I am makes a big difference. Because would you want a child to go away thinking that they didn't make a difference? And when she would give these to each child in her class, she would invite them up front and then ask them to look in her eyes. And she would say to them, who you are makes a big difference. And to a particular child, she would say, your sense of humor brings all of us joy. And that child would go and sit down. Another child would come up. She would give them a blue ribbon and she would say, who you are makes a big difference. Your curious mind is always filled with such excellent questions. And they would go and sit down. Another child would come up and they would receive a blue ribbon. And she would say, what you are about makes such a big difference. You are so kind. It inspires the rest of us to be kind as well. Can you imagine that that would make a difference in a child's life? Hearing that kind of encouragement from their teacher just before they have left school for the summer <laughs> with the notion that they've just probably driven every other teacher crazy, you know? Here they are being congratulated for the questions that they have raised through the year. Here we are gathered in this place and in a very short number of weeks we will be celebrating. We will be celebrating the 60th anniversary of Pittman Park. All of what we see around us is an evidence of generosity on the part of those that have come before us who have seen their purpose and their calling 
in doing things that would make a difference in the world. Can you imagine, can you imagine not saying thanks for all of this? Oh, what an opportunity. And can you imagine the hearts of those that have gone on before being right here with us in this setting? Because of your serving, their serving, yes. But because of your serving, God is changing lives even to this day. I know that when I call my father, and that happens usually every day, if, if not every day, every other day, and I talk with him, you know what he wants to know? He says, what did you do today? Because he's living out his life in me. Some of you know that my father is a retired United Methodist minister. And so he asks me in order that he can celebrate not what he is able to do now, but what I am able to do right now. And so I try to take him through the process of my day, what I have done through the day in order that he can celebrate the things that continue to be a part of the church and I know that you've got parents like this too those of you who have the treasure may be even parents for others in whom you can be thankful for the gift of their lives we have had over the past four years an international student from Africa here among us some of you have had the opportunity to get to know him. He's no longer here. He's living up in Atlanta area now and is employed there and hoping that uh, it works out for him to, to get uh, full-time and long employment in order that his, his papers might permit him to stay here in the United States. Um, he was in town about a week and a half ago and he came into the office in order to, to uh, uh, just greet us and to to tell us where he was. That's not really the reason he came to town. He came to town to see his girlfriend. <laughs> but while he was here, while he was here, he came into the office and I invited him back into the, to my office and, and we sat down for a little while and talked. And Quincy, some of you will remember Quincy. Quincy wanted to share with me how much he loved Pittman Park. I was remembering all of the things about Quincy um, that were precious, that had endeared himself to me. Uh, one thing, he was so driven by his uh, attraction to being Christian and his spirit was filled with God's spirit every time I was around him. He would celebrate the uh, simplest things. One day he came to me a couple of years ago and he said, you locked us out. I said, locked you out of what, Quincy? He said, you locked us out of the chapel. I said, no. I said, the chapel stays open. He said, no, it doesn't. He said... He said, it's locked at night now. He said, it used to be open. And I thought to, to say to him, yes, I know it's open at night because Pittman Park has made it the tradition that that chapel would be open 24 hours a day if anybody needed to come and pray, that it would be open. We had realized that our, our loving gesture to the community was being taken as a loving gesture to to. to a homeless man that was in our community that had found it a good place to pitch tent and just stay a fortnight. Um, a very loving individual was there, but when uh, someone went in to clean up the chapel, uh, 
uh, he sat up in the pew and it nearly scared them to death. And so uh, even though he meant no harm, we had to, for a few days, uh, just to assure the one that had been frightened, we had to lock the door on that chapel. Well, in the process, I learned that the chapel was being used more than I realized. Quincy said to me two years ago, he, he said, there were four of us that came at one in the morning. I said, at one in the morning, what were you doing over here at one in the morning, Quincy? He said, we were tired of studying when we came over here to pray. And I thought, oh, glory be to God. <laughs> he said, there were four others with me that had shown up here and we couldn't get in. I said, that will never Quincy, mark my words, that will never happen again. He said to me when he was most recently here a week and a half ago, he said, he said, I love this church. He said, during the time that I was a student here, I felt so connected with the congregation. He said, I would come and to sit in the sanctuary was a, such a beautiful thing. But he said, I would go to walk home. This was before he said I had a car. He said, I would go to walk back over and he said, I couldn't get down the, the road very far before somebody would stop and want to pick me up and carry me out to lunch and then take me back. He said, there were several couples that particularly saw me as their extended family and loved me. And he said, I'll never forget it. And I don't believe he ever will. He will think of Pittman Park as being a holy ground because you saw yourself and him differently. And you allowed God to use you as a servant. And we come to this table of grace. And it's a reminder to us that God is present here. That Jesus Christ is aware. Aware of how committed we are. Because of your serving, lives are being changed. Do you believe that? I tell you, it makes Jesus smile.